0: Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. In a world of chaos and confusion, how can we live lives defined by joy? And how does that joy show itself in our relationships with others? We look to what Christ did for us to understand how our lives can be defined by Christ, our hope and joy, regardless of circumstance. Today we continue our series, A Thrill of Hope, our Advent series. if, if you are not very familiar with um, the, the church calendar or things like that, maybe you've never been to church before or maybe, uh, maybe you've been in a place that really doesn't go with the church calendar, Advent is the four weeks before Christmas where we celebrate <laughs> waiting. How many of you love to celebrate waiting, right? Anybody? <laughs> no, it is, it's a time where we sort of, we, we stop. And we reflect on everything that Jesus brought into this world, but also we reflect on what Jesus is going to do in this world uh, as we look to the future, as we look to the promise of his return. And so over the past few weeks, we have been not only in on Sunday mornings, but also in our discipleship groups going through this series together. And we've we've been looking at different aspects of hope. Um, The first week, we talked a lot about the anticipation and and how we begin to share hope. Last week, we talked about the way of hope, how we begin to make pathways for people to experience the hope of Jesus Christ. And if you have missed any of them, know that these messages are online at championnas.org and all of the different podcast apps and things like that, if you would like to be brought um, up to speed. But this week... As we move into this week where we really begin to concentrate on joy, I think today we're going to look and see the the, the connection between hope and joy. And then lastly, what that means in our own relationships, how we begin to live in the way that Jesus has called us to live. And so to begin our conversation today, I want to simply ask a question, have you ever been... In a place or a circumstance where you it was completely different. It was something you had never experienced before. And, and I'm gonna I'm gonna rattle a few of these off and you 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 relate to whichever one possible. Maybe um maybe you've lived in a certain place your entire life, and, and you go into a a city or a town, and, and you, you come to the realization that you are in a place that is different from what you have grown up with? Like, for example, the houses might be a little bit more run down. There's graffiti on the walls and things like that. What is your usual reaction to that if that is uncomfortable to you? Or maybe, maybe some of us grew up on a farm. And uh, maybe you've gone to a big city like New York City. And it's a totally different kind of atmosphere and it's a totally different kind of pace And you go, and you're just, how do you respond in that moment of being in a place that you've never been to before? How do you see the people in that place that you've never been to before? Are you going up to everybody and saying, hey, how you doing? I'm totally comfortable. Do you need anything? Probably not, right? Usually when we are in a place that we are not familiar with, or a place that we aren't sure about, our first reaction isn't this kind of, I trust the situation, I'm totally good, I'm confident, let's do this. No, we're often very, very reserved, right? Um, maybe we have some fear because we're just not exactly sure the the people and the, and the different pace and the environment that we are in, right? Right? All of you have experienced this on some point or level, right? Maybe it's not just city or maybe it's not just a neighborhood. Maybe it's, maybe it's family gatherings for you, uh, <laughs> right? So, some of us, you know, our in-laws have never made us feel fully comfortable, right? There's, right, there's, right? These circumstances are usually moments where instead of just being cool and calm and peaceful, We are on edge just a little bit. We are a little bit fearful. We're not exactly sure what's going to happen. And we think about ourselves. We think about our own self-preservation. The reality of it is, is Luke Skywalker knows how you feel. (laughs) If you have been with us, oh, here's the great thing about this Advent series. We've also been incorporating Star Wars clips every single week. Because I've shared with everybody, very simply, Star Wars is a wonderful parable of our culture that really, really grasps um, a lot of the aspects of hope. It does. It's it's, it's a story that is totally about holding on to hope so that evil would be defeated, right? Right? And I told everybody at the very beginning, I said, if you've never seen the original trilogy, the ones that are, you know, 1970s, 1980s, if you've never seen them, your assignment this, this Advent was to slow down and watch Star Wars because obviously that's... So I'm going to show you a clip today. And today's clip is, is of Luke Skywalker, our main hero. And, and Luke had received a vision from his friend, Obi-Wan, saying that he needs to go to a system. By the way, it's equal to be planets. I'm a total nerd and I actually say system like it's a normal thing. But it's, it's a planet. <laughs> and he's told, he tells him, he goes, hey, look, I want you to go to this place that you've never been before and I want you to find this Master Jedi Yoda. And, and quite honestly, you need, to be, you need to be trained by him. And so Luke goes away from the rest of the heroes by himself to this planet that he had never been to before. And as he goes into the atmosphere, he comes to the realization that this planet is going to be a very uncomfortable place for him. It is a jungle, and there is very little civilization on this planet. And as he lands and he begins to try to figure out how in the world he's gonna find this master Jedi, there's a moment where hope is a bit lost. Go ahead and show that clip. Now all I gotta do is find this Yoda, if he even exists. (sighs) It's really a strange place to find a Jedi master. This place gives me the creeps. Still, something familiar about this place. I don't know. I feel like... Be like, what? like we're being watched. Oh, wait, put you, weapon. I mean you no know, harm. Huh? I am wondering, why are you here? I'm looking for someone. Looking? Found someone you have, I would say. <laughs> right. Help you, again? Yes. Mm. I don't think so. I'm looking for a great warrior. Oh. <laughs> great warrior. Oh. <laughs> Forest not make one great. <laughs> oh. <sighs> Down now we hey it's my dinner how you get so big to do food of this kind. Listen, friend, we didn't mean to land in that puddle, and if we could get our ship out we would, but we can't, so why okay, don't you just get your ship out? <laughs> hey, get out of there! No! Hey, you could have broken this. Yeah. Don't do that. Oh, you're making a mess. <sighs> mm. Hey, mm. That. I. that. I will help you not. I don't want your help. I want my lamp back. I'm going to need it to get out of this slimy mud hole. Mud hole? Slimy? My home, this <laughs> is! Oh, aren't you let have it? R2. <laughs> move along, little fellow. We got a lot of work to do. No, oh, no, oh, no. Oh. can and help you. I will <laughs> find your friend. Hmm? I'm not looking for a friend. I'm looking for a Jedi Master. Oh, Jedi Master, Yoda. You seek Yoda. You know him? Mm. Take it to him. I will. <laughs> Yes, yes, but now we must eat. Come, <laughs> good food, R Are two? Stay and watch after the camp. As Luke tries to figure out how to find this Jedi Master Yoda, he feels like somebody is there. And sure enough, he hears somebody behind him. And what does he do? He draws his blaster. He's afraid. He's uncomfortable. He's not exactly sure what's going on. And as this little green fella, of how (coughs) funny he is, right? He does not look like somebody that... Luke really wants to be friends with, or have the time of day for. Even though this, this little green fella has said, hey, come, come with me, come and eat, and you know, I'll help, you know, that kind of a thing. He's like, no, no, I'm not doing this. And then it's only when the little green fella says, you're looking for Yoda, does Luke all of a sudden turn around. Only when this little green guy is willing to help him and fulfill the needs that he has, is he willing to even give him the benefit of a doubt? The reality of it is, Luke in this moment didn't have a lot of hope and didn't think that anything was going to go right at all. And so he had an attitude of skepticism, of cynicism, of being willing to draw his weapon on a local, even though it was his planet. The reality of it is is that we really, we understand what Luke goes through because peace and calmness and, and the willingness to give people a benefit of a doubt is difficult to do in these days. We live in a world of background checks, Sex offender lists, terror watch lists, no-fly lists. We live in a world where you turn on the news and you might get this impression that there is a terrible person living right next to you. You just can't trust your neighbor, right? Gone are the days of Mr. Rogers. And far more are the days of, can I really trust anybody? Can I really have a relationship with anybody because, quite honestly, I feel uncomfortable. It feels like the world is spinning out of control. And I don't even know how in the world to even have hope in a world like this. Today, we are going to discover how God wants us to relate with other people, regardless of how different they are or how uncomfortable We are ourselves. Today's scripture is from Zephaniah chapter 3. Zephaniah is an Old Testament prophet. And Old Testament prophets were were messengers of God who came to the people of God, the Israelites, who, who had faith in God. And it would always bring these messages to them exactly where they were, what they were doing. They were always looking to speak directly into the situation. And a lot of prophets talk about, probably, I think, pretty much every single one of them, talk about trusting God and turning back to him to be faithful, to to remember who saved them initially, and to turn away from some of the stuff that that they were scared of, to, to turn away from... The the actions of a person who is defined by their fear or their discomfort. And Zephaniah speaks to a time um, when a king named King Josiah was king. King Josiah became the king at a very young age, actually. But as he inherited this kingdom, the people were doing a lot of things that God said not to do. They're basically saying, we're scared of the world that is around us. We're afraid of the enemies here, and we're afraid of the enemies here. And we are going to do what we do best. We're going to survive, and we don't care about those people. We are going to live on. That was their mentality. It wasn't a mentality of, I trust God in this situation. I trust that God is still doing something. Instead, it was a a mentality of fear and survival and cynicism. Very much of what you and I experience in today's world. And so the majority of Zephaniah is doom and gloom. How many of you love doom and gloom passages in the Bible I hope none of you raise your hands. But the reality of it is is that Zephaniah is trying to speak into their situation and say, look, wake up call. If you continue to live in the way that is opposite of what God has asked you to live, this is what's going to happen. And it's going to look like this. It's going to look like this tumultuous time. And it talks about the day of the Lord. There's a lot of scary things, a lot of judgment Found in this book. And the reality is, Zephaniah is laying down this message of saying, This is really, this is the fruits of your unfaithfulness. This is what you really deserve by being unfaithful to God. This is what you deserve. And then, at the very end of Zephaniah, it turns. It's weird. But Zephaniah is calling the people to come and be faithful. And he begins to share that even in the midst of all the chaos and the confusion and the pain and all the things that are happening in the world, he said this, this vision is possible for people who turn back to God, who begin to live faithful to God. And it is vastly different than what they deserve. If you want to open your Bibles to Zephaniah chapter 3, if you're wondering where Zephaniah is and you're like, I won't find it by the time you are done reading, you can look at it on the screen. (laughs) It's before Haggai, so you know. Zephaniah uh, chapter 3 beginning with verse 14. We read these words. Rejoice, daughter Zion. Shout, Israel. Israel. Rejoice and exult with all of your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has removed your judgment. He has turned away your enemy. And the Lord, the King of Israel, is in your midst. You will no longer fear evil. And on that day, it will be said to Jerusalem, Don't fear, Zion. Don't let your hands fall. The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior bringing victory. He will create calm with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. I will remove from you those worried about the appointed feasts. They have been a burden for her, a reproach. Watch what I am about to do to all of your oppressors at that time. I will deliver the lame. I will gather the outcast. I will change their shame into praise and fame throughout the earth. At that time, I will bring all of you back. At the time when I gather you, I will give you fame and praise among all the neighboring peoples when I restore your possessions and you can see them, says the Lord. The time that they live is full of chaos and confusion, and uncertainty, and survival. And Zephaniah says, continue this way, and you will receive this destruction until this very end. And this picture is exactly the opposite of not only what the Israelites have been experiencing, but it's incredibly different from the entire prophet's words before. What changed? Well, if you look, if you look one verse before, the few remaining from Israel won't commit injustice. They won't tell lies. They will graze and lie down. No one will make them afraid. In other words, he is speaking to people who begin to come back to God and live a life of faith. Not just a belief, but begin to live out, act out. The concept that God gave to them from the very beginning of their life. I will be your God and you will be my people. You will be a blessing to the nations. You will be a blessing to the nations. And the reality of it is, is that we can, we can sit here and do what we've been doing And not trusting God and not thinking that He's there and not being able to trust the people around us and not being a blessing to them because we need our own self-preservation or we can turn to God and have faith in Him and have peace. And that peace leads to joy, leads to singing, leads to No longer fearing evil. It'd be defined by calmness, by God's love. And even He will rejoice over us. Us, His people, was singing. No matter what we have done before, God will rejoice over us when we come back to Him. And I'm here to tell you something. I think this this says this so well, this this quote does. But if you have ever been sold that God is waiting in heaven to smite you for all the wrong things you've ever done. I want to tell you that Zephaniah here says, uh uh-uh, he wants to sing over the people who come back to him. It doesn't matter what they've done in the past. And this quote, I think, says this so well. Rhonda Karam says this, God does not delight or rejoice in judgment. Even though many of us think that way, right? Rather, God delights and rejoices in restored relationship. Come back to me. I created you. I love you. I am with you. No matter how scary the world is, no matter how uncomfortable you are, no matter what this other person did, come back to me. I offer forgiveness. I offer a life that is defined by hope and peace and joy and love. He sings over the person who comes back to him. And also what I love about this too is that it says, the Lord, the King of Israel, he's in your midst. Proclaiming Lord as King means a number of things. That you no longer have to fear evil. That you will have calmness in your life because he loves you. He is the one who brings victory. It's not based on what you and I do. It's not based on what people do. It's based on him. Being that this is Zephaniah, thousands of years old, years before Jesus would come onto the scene, we've come to understand a lot about a man named Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus of Nazareth came into the world at, you know, at Christmas time, what we celebrate as a baby. But his life was not defined by how anybody in human history has ever lived before. Jesus lived a life in such a way that he was constantly at peace. He was constantly reaching out to people. He was constantly working in people's lives and giving people the benefit of a doubt. He had this security that nobody else has ever had before. And you might think to yourself, why? Why in the world would Jesus be like this? And as Jesus would teach, and as Jesus would, would, would do these amazing miracles in people's lives, and as Jesus would hand himself over to the Roman authorities to be crucified, and as Jesus would die and lay in the grave for three days, and as Jesus would raise again from the dead we come to understand that Jesus wasn't just another person who followed God. He was the Son of God. He was God incarnate. And everything that Jesus says is a representation of who God is. What Jesus does is who God is. What God does. What Jesus is, is what God is. And so everything that Jesus taught, we take into consider, not just consideration, we elevate Jesus as Lord here in the church. And I'm here to tell you something. If you don't know, if you don't believe in Jesus, if you're not sure about this, Jesus is the one who saves us and teaches us how to live the life that we have always been created to live. It's called right relationship. And He he forgives us of everything that we have done in the past. And He raises us to new life. A life that is not defined by how we've been before, but rather it's defined by His love and His joy and His hope and His peace. And the reality of this is, friends, is that Jesus fits all of the words that Zephaniah talks about. He delivers the lame. He gathers the outcast. He changes people's shame into praise and fame throughout the earth. Jesus is that mighty warrior who brings victory and he creates calm with his love and he rejoices over us with singing. Regardless of what we have done in the past, No matter how much evil you and I have done, he forgives us. He forgives us. And then he raises us to live a life that he says, this this is the life that you should live. This is what God has been looking to do in humans from the very beginning. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. We are called as believers and redeemed people who are not getting what we deserve. We are called to live lives of love and hope and joy. The question is, is Jesus Christ king over your life? Do you see Jesus Christ as that mighty warrior? As the one who brings hope to you? As the one who brings peace to you? As the one who gives you joy even in the midst of uncomfortable situations, of chaos, of, of, of fear? Because the reality of it is is that Jesus has forgiven us so that we could live that way every moment of every day. So how do we receive joy? Simple. Accept him. Accept him not just as believing of what he did, but accept him as your Lord, as your King as everything in your life. And then, and only then, do we come to the realization that we are not getting what we deserve when we come back to God. Because let's really be honest. How many of you, how many of us, have treated people unfairly because we were afraid? How many of us have turned to self-preservation in a moment when we can't trust that situation or a person, how often do we do something selfish, sinful, because we are caring about number one? The answer is all of us. And the reality of it is, is that if people, if people continue to live this life of self-preservation, of fear, of distrust, of not giving people the benefit of a doubt, guess what? This world will self-destruct. Maybe you've seen that before. Maybe you've experienced that before. Just doesn't come in the cosmic ways. It comes when people divorce, when people dive into to substance abuse. It, it happens when we are willing to pull our guns on people. Like Luke Skywalker, even though we're the ones who are visitors. We treat our neighbors and our family members and our friends. Badly because we want what we want. How does that work out? How comfortable are Christmas gatherings whenever we hold grudges over our family members? It's not. It only hurts the relationship more, right? No. Jesus came so that you and I could treat people in the way that he treated us. In other words, give to people more than what they deserve. Give to people a benefit of a doubt. Why? Because He has saved us. He has not given us what we deserve. And when you have that security, when you have that identity, this is what you receive. Joy. You receive joy. When you come to the realization that you aren't getting what you deserve, you're pretty happy about it. (gasps) Right? Guys, when you're wrong and your wife chooses to be nice to you, you have joy, don't you? You're not getting what you deserve. Ladies, when you're never wrong, but m- you made a mistake or something, I don't know how to say it. <laughs> when your husband looks at you and says, It's okay. Not, to- not I told you so, right? Because, guys, we never say that. Uh, you give thanks, you're joyful. We have joy because Jesus has taken away what we deserve, even though up to this point, we've been unfaithful. And when we have that joy, when we have that identity, we begin to relate differently. We begin to have a peace in the midst of the chaos of the world that we live in. Robert Bennett says it this way, God's presence in the midst of the community spells peace rather than disaster. So the question is, are you a part of that community, that community of faith? Do you lift Jesus Christ as king? And then the next question is, does the way that you think about people, the way that you live your life, is it more about peace? Is there more peace in your life or are you constantly thinking of disaster and doom and gloom? In other words, are you a person who says the world is just terrible and it's not getting any better? That shows that you have disaster on your mind far more than the peace of Jesus Christ. That means that your security is in something other than Jesus Christ. Because the reality of it is is that if Christ is really king in our lives, our lives will be defined by a joyful song rather than desperate cynicism. Our lives will be defined by a joyful song rather than desperate cynicism. Why? He removed judgment from us and He has also removed judgment from anybody who would come to Him. Nobody is too far gone not the person who stole five cents out of their mom's purse, not the person who committed mass murder. No human being is too far gone. And if we look at people in the way of saying, I can't trust you. I can't even be in a relationship with you because of what you have done. Essentially, we're saying that grace is good enough for us, but not good enough for anybody else. So we must live with this hope and this peace and this joy. We must live out the words that Zephaniah gives to us. So what does this look like? What does internal joy manifest itself as? Internal joy manifests itself as outward generosity. And then as soon as I say the word generosity, you're like, oh, hmm, got my wallet. No, 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 no. Generosity goes far beyond giving to others resources. There's a relational generosity. It's giving people the time and the day to care about them. To love them, to give them your effort and your talents, to give to others forgiveness when they don't deserve it. Generosity, generosity is far bigger than just simply helping somebody out in a time of need. It's giving of yourself constantly and having the eyes of Jesus saying, you are loved by God and therefore I love you as God loves you. Because guess what, friends? God gave to you first, gave of his son on the cross, so that you and I might have life. Why in the world would we treat people any differently than how Jesus treated us? Especially when Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, take up your cross and follow me, love your enemies. Yeah. To approach another human being from a place of fear or cynicism is to directly reject God's offering of grace to all people. So let us live lives of joy. Here's what that looks like. Here's what a relational generosity looks like, friends. It is forgiving that family member who has deeply wronged you or your kids. And I get it. That doesn't mean what they did was right. It doesn't mean that the damage that has been done is going to be erased overnight by any means. Because guess what? When we hurt each other, we have to we deal with the consequences. That doesn't give us the right to withhold forgiveness from anybody. It looks like giving people the time of day when they are in need and not thinking, can I trust this person? I did the, that this past week. I was at a store. Somebody came up and asked for some help and things like that. And even though the story was really, like, it didn't make sense. It was just like, what? You need money because of this and What? I allowed that to stop me. Jesus doesn't say, hey, make sure that they're going to do the right thing with the money that you give them or the gas that you give them. He doesn't say that. Jesus never said that. Jesus does not say, God helps those who help themselves. I cannot stress that enough. That is is a lie. And if you've ever heard that from the pulpit, it is a lie. That's a Chinese saying. Not even the right geography. Jesus lived in Jerusalem, not in China. Every person matters. It means we don't pull a weapon when we're afraid. And I know that sounds really, really countercultural to what we live in now. But this is how the people of God have been called to live Because Jesus sure didn't pull a weapon out whenever he was arrested and hung on the cross. It means that we don't ignore the needs of others who are different from us. Or they don't live into our standards. Or they live a a certain way that just can't. Just can't do this. No. Give of yourself to them. Get to know them. Serve them. Because they're a person, and them turning to God means all is forgiven. We must really believe the words, you will no longer fear evil. And so many people allow evil to determine how they relate with other people. Because the reality of it is, if we lose that hope, if we lose that joy, if we forget so much of what God has done in our own lives, we will happily take up selfishness. We will happily take up self-preservation and fear. And we we will be happy to sin to preserve ourselves, to move the fear away. But you and I have been redeemed. You and I have been saved. So let us live into the calling that Jesus has given to us. We are called to joyfully give of ourselves to others because God gave himself for us. And the world, the world will become better. The kingdom will come. We will prepare the way for the Lord. If you and I take up the cause of giving ourselves to others in time, effort, and talents and resources, guess what? What you're saying? God isn't done with the world yet. And the world isn't going to go. Pfft. In fact, God is going to come back and redeem us and make all things new. If that is our worldview, then we have the greatest hope of any person in the world. Luke went with this green fella, this very small green guy, thinking nothing was going to come of it. And this green guy invites him into his house, which obviously is very small for a human, bangs his head a few times off the ceiling, tolerates the food that he makes for him, But this little green guy is very hospitable. Even though a blaster was just pulled on him a few minutes before. See, this green fella had this calm and this peace and this joy to be able to say, hey, come on, come with me. I don't care if you you drew a blaster on me. I'll feed you. I'll help you find this guy. And as the night goes on, Luke finds out that this little green fella is the guy he was looking for. He is indeed the great Jedi Master Yoda. And Yoda gives of himself to Luke, trains him, serves him in such a way that Luke would learn that calmness and that peace and the willingness to be generous to others and serve others that he would give of himself to save the galaxy. Yoda is a great example of how peace and hope and joy in our lives manifests itself as generosity to others. Last week, I encouraged you to be like Han Solo. This week I encourage you to be like Yoda. May you be calmed and at peace by our Lord King Jesus Christ who does not give us what we deserve but rather raises us to life of joy. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We would love for you to join us on a Sunday morning for our service, which begins at 1030 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. For more information about our ministries or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, please visit us at championnaz.org.